Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups. And to the paranormal we go. Here we are. Fall is just about upon us, right around the corner, in fact. And it seems like the perfect night to dim those lights, to put on another layer, and to settle in for an evening of spooks. And with that, I welcome you from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep here in the remote Pacific Northwest, where we greet you somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. We're headed into my favorite time of the year. As the seasons are a-changing, there's that bite in the air. Or if there isn't, it is right around the corner. Perhaps on certain nights, the fog moves in as well, and the visibility diminishes. Maybe there's a little precipitation in the air. And that just gives the this program right here that you're listening to the perfect backdrop. And as we begin the season of spooks together, let me assure you, this will not be the only show that we'll be doing with Halloween in mind. But when we think about Halloween and spooky stories, ghosts are what comes to mind. Now, sure, there's stories of vampires and werewolves, really anything macabre, but the ghosts, those who are departed, and even communicating with them, that's what the Halloween season is all about. And with ghosts comes hauntings. And with that paranormal activity comes the objects that are associated with it. 
And this activity is often regarded as being cursed or having negative energy. That negative energy can linger within a thing, a person, or a place. There is no limit as far as our understanding goes of what can be possessed, what could be cursed, what could be haunted. Attachments can pretty much grab on to anything if the conditions are ripe. Perhaps you uh, know someone who might be a candidate for such a diagnosis. I'm talking about having an attachment. Maybe they have a string of bad luck that never seems to end. Maybe they're always in a, a bad mood. Maybe it seems like they're not themselves. And it could be that they're dabbling in the occult or the paranormal. Certainly when you do that, you risk becoming victimized. And if you don't protect yourself adequately, and you're foolish in the matter, you can become possessed. You can become oppressed. You can become depressed. It is triggering for a lot of people. It brings back a lot of, well... Bad juju, bad memories, and not everybody can handle that. Everybody handles it differently. There are certain individuals that it seems like nothing faces them. Others are completely traumatized by the same experience. So perception is a big part of this as well. But if you're victimized, if you become possessed, if you have an attachment... Whatever the case happens to be, it's just not as simple as getting rid of it. It's certainly far more difficult to get rid of something like this than it is to pick it up in the first place. So cleansing oneself of such an attachment is easier said than done. So the moral of the story really is be careful because if you're not careful, you very much could be cursed by the touch. We know that people can be cursed. We've uh, seen that in the many possession stories that have been documented over the years. Sad cases of individuals whose lives have spiraled out of control because something is inside of them and uh, they are not themselves. But beyond people, places can also be possessed or cursed. And of course, we've spent many hours over the years hearing stories about locations that are plagued by paranormal activity. And then there is the things within. A lot of times uh, we don't uh, venture a thought about that. But there are objects, uh, maybe from a haunted location, taken from a haunted location, or in a haunted location, or have come in some way in contact with somebody who has an attachment, and then it, it's like a virus and it spreads. And of course, those things around individuals who are susceptible, they can be influenced 
by just having those objects around, let alone actually touching it. So we've heard stories of individuals who have tried to get rid of these things before, and it just keeps coming back and it gets worse. So you have to really be careful if you come in contact with these objects that you're doing everything sort of by the book. As if there was a book written, and there are many books that have been written on how to get rid of these attachments, how to cleanse the mind, body, and soul. You certainly can't go out and just put it in the dumpster and ask the trash man to take it away. You shouldn't put it in the mail. Don't uh, donate it to a second-hand store. Maybe take it to a Halloween swap meet where... (laughs) people would be more receptive to that. No, I'm not giving out uh, uh, ideas because certainly you have to contact uh, the right individuals who have some training in this in order to make sure that nothing happens to you or to anyone else who may come in contact with this object, whatever it may be. But what is it about these objects that makes them attractive to a soul who has departed. Oftentimes, that's the intelligence behind it, is the soul of the individual who has departed is continuing to possess this object in simple terms. And when we think of things that could have attachments, which we're going to spend a large portion of the program talking about tonight, we typically think of dolls. Those are some of the freakiest uh, Annabelle comes to mind, did a program a couple of years ago about Norman the doll. That really gave people the willies. We have heard from people who have had these things in their possession, and their life is forever impacted by it, at least while this object is present. It, it's, got, it's got bad juju. And I know this creeps people out because I've heard from some of you who listen to this program who have said... Uh, The shows about these haunted dolls have freaked you out. But also that you know somebody who has one of these. And uh, you've had experiences. I've heard from individuals who have said we've had people over for uh, a sleepover. And then they just don't talk to us. Or maybe they'll say something like, man, your house is really weird and they don't want to come back over for another sleepover. I know that the, there's many people who've had those experiences out there, and we're talking about mementos as well, paintings. These are all, these are all possessions, individual possessions that we, we hold on to. We may not uh, believe we're holding on to them, and we think when we die, that's it. And we're not going to have any baggage. But the reverse is actually true from all accounts, is that this stuff does stay with us. So, of course, our possessions that we've occupied at one point in time or another, we would expect that uh, those would stay with us, at least on a certain level, jewelry. Uh, keepsakes, people, uh, things that people have worn, furniture like chairs and sofas. 
where people have sat in for many years. Grave sites where individuals uh, are buried. Statues. The list really goes on as far as what can possibly be possessed. And these haunted objects are featured in museums. They're part of traveling road shows. They're even in games. Any object, no matter what it is, has the ability to carry this attachment if we let it. Tonight, we welcome the Booth Brothers. They're behind a new docu-horror film called The Attached. This thing was actually the real exorcism box of Annalise McKell, which is the real Emery Rose. We purchased that armoire. He told me it was John Wayne Gacy. Something was trying to get inside me and I couldn't stop it. You guys need to be careful what you may bring home. Into the paranormal. Somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal, I got the sense we needed one of those uh, Halloween come early kinds of shows. So tonight, it's one of those Halloween come early shows, and I'm so honored to have the Booth Brothers on the program tonight. I've seen uh, many of their documentaries or their films over the years. You will not be disappointed. And the same goes with The Attached. Boy, you just take a look at the artwork, and you might have a hard time sleeping just looking at the the picture for the movie, let alone actually finding it and streaming it. Make sure the doors are locked, turn the lights real down low, and get ready to be spooked. We're joined by Christopher St. Booth and Philip Adrian Booth, producers, directors, composers with Spook Production Studios. They are a paranormal filmmaking team who have directed quite a few, at least 11, award-winning films that have been seen worldwide. Uh, They are known for The Haunted Bazaar, which is an online store selling unearthly antiques and collectibles. And as we mentioned, The Attached is a docu-horror film by the Booth Brothers, which is based on true stories of haunted attachments. Everything and more that we've already discussed on the program. Welcome, guys. It's an honor to have you both here. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to be here. So, I gotta ask you first, before we get into the attachment, is what drew you both to the world of the strange and the bizarre or the, the paranormal? Uh, we were born. <laughs> we, were, we were born in like a big haunted hospital in Halifax, England. And it was, <laughs> I think we were spooked from then on. Uh, I, I think we always saw the dark side. I mean, not, not being negative. Not, we won't, it's not a negative side, just being the darker side of things, being more of a warmer side or more of a comfortable zone. And, 
we always saw, you know, whether it was a, a, a postman walking down the street, I would imagine him doing, you know, serial killing or doing something crazy or possibly, you know, seeing, you know, spirits all around us or something like that. So it's just, I don't know what it is. I think you probably, I would imagine you're kind of just influenced and born that way. I think also what's really interesting is that we went to shoot uh, which one of our best-selling films was Death Tunnel in Waverly Hills Sanatorium. But we were there just to shoot um, a standard horror movie, you know, girls in 90s. Of course, they have 90s in the middle of uh, abandoned asylum. But we were there just to shoot a horror movie. But the thing is, so much paranormal activity happened to us while we were filming the movie itself that it kind of set that course on there. And then Sci-Fi Channel said to us, if you can create the documentary, which is called Spooked, which is one of our biggest documentaries, we'll give you a series. And that started the, the nine or 10 horror documentaries that we've had on Sci-Fi, Destination America, Discovery Plus, um, et cetera. So that's kind of how we got into it. So having done it as long as you have, does anything phase you? Uh, or have you seen and experienced nearly all of it when it comes to the paranormal? I don't think that you've necessarily seen everything. I think that that I think, you know, the the most spookiest things in the world really is real life. I mean, it's crazy out there, but it's almost like, to, to at least to me, a safe haven of being in the paranormal because that isn't scary to me. That is to me, you know, possibly, a, you know, an afterlife after where we're going. So, I mean, I, I think that the scariest film we've ever worked on and, and did was The Exorcist File. Okay, we'll pick that up when we continue with the Booth Brothers. So honored to have them tonight. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. This is Paranormal News. NASA's UAP study is winding down and will release its report on Thursday, along with a briefing at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. The 16-member team was commissioned last year to conduct a nine-month study of unidentified anomalous phenomena. The report comes four months after they held a public meeting where they claimed there was simply not enough evidence. It's now our collective responsibility to investigate these occurrences with the rigorous scientific scrutiny that they deserve. Only a very small percentage of UAP reports display signatures that could reasonably be described as anomalous. The existing data available from eyewitness reports are often muddled and cannot provide conclusive evidence that supports UAP recognition and analysis. The team maintains there are a limited number of high-quality observations of UAP, which make it impossible to draw firm scientific conclusions about their nature and origin. George Henry, Paranormal News. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. TheAttachedMovie.com 
is where you can find the movie from Christopher St. Booth and Philip Adrian Booth. They're joining us tonight. Wanted to get to know them a little bit and how they got involved with this and about some of the investigations that they've done. And you were about ready to tell us about the scariest one, this one involving an exorcism. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the infamous uh, exorcist case. We were actually the very first uh, team of people, filmmakers as well, to go into the real exorcist house where most of the possession had happened and part of the exorcism in St. Louis, Missouri, before he was moved to St. Vincent's Hospital. Um, we went in there and did a pound investigation and we interviewed all the boys' family and the exorcist family. And we had the diary in our hand and we followed the diary basically like it was a, a supernatural roadmap to kind of figure what really happened and what didn't. And then I remember actually going into that house and how truly scary it was. I mean, could you imagine when you were very young and you saw the film and now you're suddenly there and you're going through the same steps as like, you know, the, the priest would walk up the steps and walk up to that door where that thing was behind that door growling. Mm. We actually did that. It was overwhelming. And then, of course, the aftermath was pretty crazy as well. I can imagine. Uh, so at some point, you, what, visited a location or locations that had uh, some objects, uh, maybe some residual energy from individuals who previously were there in their former life uh, that may or may not have followed you home? Well, yeah, that's kind of the what the root of the attached is about be careful what you bring home and the the why the attached is so special and it's it's on apple plus tv and uh 2b and amazon prime video now and it's doing incredibly well we want to thank all our fans for supporting us um it's like one of the number and the not top 10 uh shows on there right now is we went to an asylum in um st albans uh asylum in uh richmond virginia and there was a patient there who, who was pregnant and she had a stillborn baby and she hid the baby. It was taken away from her when it was stillborn. She got the baby back and hid it in a, a little cubby hole in the closet. Now, when we took our SLS camera there, we got not just the image of somebody putting something into that cubby hole and taking it out like she did in, in the actual case, but we got the actual double SLS image of a little baby inside the cubby hole. And when you talk about seeing that stuff and when you bring home, well, I think we bring home sadness. We bring home, but I think for us, where there is a vessel to tell their story. So we're able to help do that through our documentaries and our movies. Um, it, it's a very interesting thing. You got to be very careful when you don't bring something home because you can't go there in, a, in an emotional state, you know, like a down, a negative place because then you're an open vessel. You have to be there with pure intention. And I think that's where a lot of these ghost hunting shows fail. And a lot of things that you do bring home, I'm afraid is a form of oppression or if you have, if you, you know, empathic, you can't really shake it, you know, when you feel something or you witness something. 
it's on your mind and and it really it really goes deep hard into your soul and as far as objects like in the attached like the real exorcism box of Annalise McKell, which is a real Emily Rose, which I was able to get and which is featured in the documentary film, The Attached, or, you know, uh, say like the armoire that uh, John Wayne Gacy hid his paintings in, or the human dolls that had hair that were cut off of uh, doll makers' uh, dead children and was sewn on the dolls to basically be a vessel of his children so he could still have them in the house. Things like that that we've been collecting, um, it takes its toll. I mean, a lot of it, I have to say, is locked in trunks in the basement. Not that, that I think they're dangerous, just I think that there's a time you need to kind of turn it off, you know? So if you've locked these objects away in in trunks, does that uh, limit the activity uh, in your experience? I think it's part of the psyche as well as as the concept. I do think that, you know, like, for instance, if if you know scrying mirrors, you're supposed to keep a black cloth over it until you use it so that, you know, things can't enter or escape. You know, it's that form of concept. But I do think that, that it, you know, obviously there's a lot of crucifixes around these things and blessings and sage and all kinds of stuff. I feel that when it's put away, it's a time for it to rest. And when you have it out, you must give it respect and interact with it. And obviously, you know, being a normal life, you can't interact with these things all the time. It because balances everything and you can't let it take you over. So when you're ready to really focus on it, then you give it you know, it's respect that it's needed, and then you bring it out and you work with it, and then you put it away, put it to sleep, so to speak. You know, until you can clear the energy or whatever you're trying to do, or you believe, you know, it has to pass on to another, to the light, or you need to cleanse its spirit, or you need to get rid of it, depending what the object is. Um, that's kind of how we deal with what we do with the haunted attachments. So objects can be cursed, right? Uh, it's all about how you deal with that. I've heard stories of people trying to get rid of dolls, and uh, they've done things like put it in a dumpster, hoping the garbage man takes it away. I heard about a really, really awful thing. Uh, somebody sent a haunted doll to their family member. Uh, and it ended up showing back on their doorstep. There's something to uh, that, meaning that if something has an attachment, and it can be a person in addition to an object, that it's not easy to necessarily get rid of it. Well, I think I think what's the key point is, and it's very important that we realize that not all objects that have attachments are negative ones. I mean, a doll... A child that's been holding the doll, say, in the late 1800s, early 19th century, um, loved that doll. So you can transfer love as much as you can transfer negative energy. But if a tragic event happened, such as the dolls and the attached, where the children died and he sewed their hair on them, they could be lonely and they could just simply want love. I think if we're looking for evil, if that makes sense, Jeremy, if we're, we're looking for evil, we're going to draw it to us. And I think if we just an, an open, have an open mind, 
we can see it for what it is. Not everything is evil. I think what's key to remember with attachments is you can't feed into the negativity of it. If you see, if something, it's like a haunting. If it happens, it's a blessing. It's supposed to be a message from beyond, and you're supposed to do something with that message. You're supposed to transfer that message to a loved one that's still alive. You're supposed to tell somebody's story that wasn't able to be told because they no longer have a voice, so you become their voice. So listen to what it is, because it could be a gift as well. I mean, I think being in the horror movie world and the networks like to make everything demonic and scary because it sells, but not everything you get is is like that. I think the tragedy of Annalise McKell the exorcism box. We found a beautiful story. The amount of research we went in there and talked to all of whoever we could find that was still living. That's why it's such an amazing show. We actually find light in these stories. And we feel by bringing light to these stories, we help that attachment rest. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. So does this mean that you can then speak to the departed sometimes through these objects? Well, I think it's about intention. I mean, you know, let's talk with the Ouija board. People say don't get on a Ouija board because, you know, you're going to, because first it's true, you don't know who you're talking to. But if you have a negative intention, you're probably going to get negative results. So you're going to try to talk. I mean, whether you really know you're going to, I mean, I don't think that I ever, when we had the exorcism box, of Annalise McCarroll, I never really tried to communicate with Annalise except for um, pay our respect that what she did was heroic. Godly, godly. Heroic because she died for what she believed in. She wanted those spirits or those entities to go with her when she died because she believed that if she carried them with her, then she would hold on to them and they wouldn't possess somebody else. You know, so I don't think that we necessarily try to talk to objects as much as we try to respect them, like the dolls. You take care of them. You make sure they have their little stuffed animals like children would have so that they still feel at home when they passed. They were passed when they were a child, so they still the spirit is still a child. So you treat them with respect. So I don't know about so you sit there and ask questions. That's probably more in a possible where you go into a location and you're trying to find out things. Um, we do do uh, EVPs, and we did get a lot of interesting EVPs from Spirit the box. box. Sessions, yeah. You know, but I think the bottom line with all this stuff is if there's a message there, you will know what it is and you'll know how the right people to transfer it to. I think that... Um, it's a little more complicated than just saying, you know, why are you here? What, why is this? I think the tragedy, like in that other case, Jeremy, I was talking about with um, the St. Albans Asylum, the, the pregnant uh, inmate, mm-hmm. is she was stuck in a loop, a tragic loop. That, that SLS camera only picked up the tragic incident. It didn't pick her dancing or working or eating. It picked her doing something that was tragedy, and it only looped that. So and she was reliving it over and over. Yes. Yes. I mean, residual. Residual. There, there was a time that I realized, and this is kind of an exclusive for you, um, there was a time to get rid of the exorcism box of Annalise McKell 
I've probably had it now for six years, seven years, a while. And there was a time that I was getting it ready to take to a show to do a, a speaking engagement on um, the exorcism stuff, you know, that kind of subject matter. And I had felt, you know, uneasy and anxiety that day. And I turned around and I had seen something out of the corner of my eye, which looked to me like a very frail, anorexic Annalise McKell when she was pretty much dehydrated and malnutritioned at that point, um, running in the basement or hiding in the basement concept. And I just felt that it was time to get rid of the box. And we uh, had taken it to... Uh, um, well, actually, Zach Bagans has it now. Uh, Zach Bagans has entered it into his haunted museum, um, which is probably a good place for it. And he's going to build a, a room for it to show it off. Um, probably starting, I think, in next month or right before December. Yeah, it's it's exciting because he's got he's gotten a lot of stuff. Uh, two or three major objects from our show be attached. And he's building the attached room in his haunted museum in Las Vegas. And we thought for us, especially those dolls with the human hair, they'll get the attention they deserve because they like attention. They like to be, you know, noticed and, 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 and have people see them. They don't want to be lonely anymore. And as long as it's done with respect, it's a very good honorable thing. But like I said, it was time for me to let it go because I think, as you know, Jeremy, in life, you don't get anything new unless you get rid of something old. And I felt that we've had. I try to tell that to my to... wife all the time. <laughs> well, it's exactly. Well, she might say that about you, mate. So be careful. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that you find, Jeremy, when you let go of something, and you probably sometimes kick yourself. Like a, I got rid of a Porsche Speedster I had back then, and I haven't got anything new to replace that. But uh, I was going to say, if you find that when you get rid of something, something else comes in yeah. its place. But it we got to take a break. The Booth Brothers joining us tonight, and we'll be right back. Into the paranormal. Women, they just have, uh, they can give you that look, and that's what happened during the break. I looked out of the corner of my eye, and the door opened, and I was given that look. You want me to get rid of what? <laughs> it's amazing how much uh, married couples, or even couples who are not married, uh, know what each other is saying, even when they're not saying it. Christopher St. Booth, Philip Adrian Booth, talking about the attached tonight. And uh, you were mentioning about getting rid of this exorcism box. Have you gotten rid of other objects uh, in the same way? Well, recently, um, Zach had approached me and um, we talked for a while about it. And we felt, you know, it was time to, because, uh, I mean, obviously, we this is our 14th paranormal show now we do horror movies as well and we also do uh, other type films we did six films last year of all different kind of subject genres but we've done enough and it was time to move on to another show 
And so, you know, Zach actually got the exorcism box from us. He got the copy of the, the six copies of the real exorcist diary out there that came from the Vatican. And he got number six from me. I had a copy of the exorcism diary that we used in this show, which is um, incredibly scary and very eye-opening. And he got that as well. And then he also wanted the human dolls to pay respect to them as well. So those are the three things that went to um, Zach um, in the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. And then, of course, the other things that I've had, like I've had possessed um, or, you know, somewhat possessed suitcases that were from asylums that had voodoo dolls that the people that were crazy thought they were possessed or were possessed and they made of themselves very, very scary stuff or serial. I have a lot of serial killer memorabilia that um, is very rare that I get in the Haunted Bazaar that I kind of look at it and kind of play with it for a little bit. Then I, I, you know, get rid of it. So I kind of get rid of pretty much everything I, I get after a while because, I, again, I don't really believe in holding on to it. So I don't. You know, I don't have a museum here. Um, we have a traveling show, and we show it for about a year or two, and then we move on, you know? So people also give you stuff uh, in addition to you uh, giving away the stuff eventually, and perhaps maybe that's why uh, the activity surrounding this hasn't been necessarily so bad because it's constantly moving around. Would you agree with that? Well... There were certain things that have been given to me out of respect of, you know, somebody that might have been murdered, a doll, so to speak. And then, you know, the true crime case explains why that nature of that doll means something. And they've asked us to help, you know, um, solve parts of the case or help that spirit move to the light. Those objects I don't get rid of. I... If anything, we do what we can, and then maybe we bury them, or we give them back to the owners if they even want them. Pretty much they don't want them anymore. They're scared of them. I won't sell those because that's disrespectful to me. But um, I think that the energy that's happened to us with what we've had has been very overwhelming, and I think that we've all come out in the positive, but there has been you know, health problems, financial issues, um, you know, personal problems, all kinds of things, whether you blame them on attachments or blame them that, hey, that's life. But you don't really, really know, you know, because if you're really dealing with the dark energy, negative energy, uh, they're kind of like cowards, so they hide behind those things anyway. I mean, I've studied a lot with a lot of uh, the Vatican's demonologists and many priests and the devil pretty much is a chicken you know what i mean so he hides behind everything um so you don't really know if it's you know the devil's work or the negative work or your own you know negativity or whatever but all i do know is that keeping it moving and fresh and positive is really where you got to go with it we we treat everything with respect whether it's the a negative thing or not. As you should. We'll continue our conversation into the next hour with the Booth Brothers. Check out their movie, The Attached, on Amazon and Tubi and uh, spooktv.com, the website, where you can find more about their work. And we will continue 
somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. If you think this hour was mind-blowing, just wait until you hear what's next. Into the Paranormal. We'll be right back. treat these objects with respect, which goes back to how we ended the last hour with the Booth Brothers, uh, you might uh, pay for it in one regard or another. The Attached is their movie, which is available on streaming platforms. Can you safely get rid of something? I mean, obviously, you've transferred these objects back and forth, uh, so you have some experience. Are there rituals or whatnot uh, that are involved when you're doing that? Well, I think the rituals is, again, it's a belief system. You know, if you believe, if it's a voodoo item, then you would do a voodoo ritual or a Native American item. We said plenty of Native American. We did a show called Soul Catch, which is coming out um, next month, is they would do Native American rituals, you know, such as staging and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, in something like Annalise McKell's box, if she believes she does heavily in Christianity or um, Catholicism, um, then you would do Roman Catholic rituals to free. So depending on the item and its history, um, that would be the item. Uh, that would be the way that I would. Like I said, you know, you know, there's plenty of ways to use crystals and natural stuff and. Native American things, and then also religious it's things. It's got a lot to do with what you believe. I mean, I'm doing a lot of um, work with voodoo right now in the sense of researching and collecting voodoo uh, icons and statues and art. And, you know, everybody's scared of voodoo, and I understand why, but really voodoo is a Catholic-driven ritual with, um, you know, aftertones where voodoo is not religious based but you know you have to believe in the uh it's the intention you can make something you know these voodoo dolls you have you put them in the house and they're basically there to soak up the negative energy and the nails that are driven in them stop them from the negative energy leaving so it's almost like a mouse trap for negative energy but at the same time you can put intention to actually have them curse people so it's really got to do with what you believe in and, and how you follow the rituals and then also you really need to have a good sense of your mind where you don't go too far you know like Alistair Crowley where he gets so involved in the 
you know, they're opening the realms of the, you know, the whatever the higher rates. And you get so into that you lose yourself and you can only cause harm at that point in negativity. Understood. So uh, what you were telling us earlier uh, sounded like uh, spirits uh, that are associated with these objects can actually manifest through them. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. And positive, too, though. Just yeah. No negative. I mean, what makes our, you've seen a lot of our shows, and what makes our niche, our shows so different from all the other stuff that's out there is that we actually, before we, like, reenact their stories or whatever, and we give them their voice, we do investigations and we let the spirits write their own scripts, so to speak. So they have a voice through our stuff. When we go there, we take we sh- we actually film the when the feature films and not the documentaries, we use the real items at the real locations. Or such as Waverly Hills when we did Death Tunnel and Spooked, we did those suicides and and um, ghost sightings exactly where they were supposed to have happened. So we're imprinting that energy into our film. Like when she jumps off Bible, she's a famous story where she hung herself or when she jumps off the roof because she had TB in Waverly Hill Sanatorium. We went to that exact spot. And when that actress jumped off that roof, we took a 45-foot sizzle lift up on the side. And so she jumped off that roof, roof and I said, oh, my God, it's an amazing performance. And she goes, I didn't jump. I felt like I was pushed. And then we started mm. realizing by reacting them in the exact spot, in turn, we were becoming supernatural detectives. We were uncovering perhaps what really happened. Maybe she didn't jump. Maybe she was pushed. And they were showing us that's what happened. So they can manifest the real, the real tragedies, what really happened, if you listen. I think people read a lot of stuff that happened at these haunted places, and they stay too stuck, if that makes sense. They take, stay too stuck to the stories, the myths, legends that they've been told. They'll never be able to find out really what happened if they're asking questions based on myths and the legends. You know, if you go with an open mind, you might find something new. You know, and I think that's really important. Absolutely. So in The Attached, you visit the locations where these actual cursed objects and their attachments uh, reside. You mentioned a few of those. Uh, do you mind telling yeah. us about a few more? No, not at all. Well, um, in the attached is about, I think, was it eight stories? Seven, seven, seven stories. stories. So we go through the Annalise McKell box, which is a very incredible, scary, but beautiful tribute to him. And we're probably the only ones who show you the body being um, exhumed. exhumed to That's sh- amazing. To show that the body did not rot after two years inside the coffin. And that's original the- uh, film footage? It yeah. is. It's the original footage of him. Wow. Uh, uh, God bless her being unearthed, and she was made a a, saint. a form of a martyr she over there. Sainted. And she was sainted, yeah, Saint Annalise now in Germany. Um, and basically she didn't rot because uh, the concept was she uh, was became a holy. Uh, there's, I don't know if remember the technical word for it. It says in the show, but it's a, a form of uh, inclination that you become when you become a saint and your body won't rot. And then we go to um, John Wayne Gacy's Armoire where paintings were found inside and um, 
the person that owned that armoire that he just brought an armoire home to uh, his wife and he said, bought it off the you know? attorney of John Wayne Gacy. And when he got it, he home, didn't he didn't actually know all this yeah. until he started he researching. Got it locked, yeah. and he was going to unlock it in the morning. But when he got up in the morning, it was wide open, and inside he found three paintings of Pogo the Clown. And he pulled those paintings out, and after that, they started getting shadow figures and hearing EVPs of of laughing like a clown, and they started seeing sightings of a shadow clown. Yeah, his wife was not impressed with uh, being able to have well, a the clown in the bedroom. Thing is, we found out later that his wife was actually a relative of one of the victims of John Wayne Gacy. And this kind of stuff was so fascinating when you start digging, you know, and into this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and of course, we talked about the asylum where the, the girl was kept. That place is incredible. It's actually bigger than Waverly Hills. I highly recommend people that are into ghost hunting, they go to St. Albans Asylum. And there's uh, people that do paintings of their worst nightmares and they actually become real. Uh, which is also featured in the attached, and then the human dolls, where a doll maker had lost his two children in a drowning on the river, and he pulled them out of the water and he carried them back. Uh, they were very young, seven and one years old, and they cut their hair off, and he sewed the hair to the dolls, and he channeled the spirits of the children into the dolls. And then the dolls became very much of a vessel of his children. We had them sitting by the fireplace. Or we we had them um, out on the mantle before we we um, let them go to the haunted museum. Um, and then they we would hear crying in the middle of the night. And we would we ended up giving them stuffed animals. I know that may sound corny, but we did. We gave both the dolls, these stuffed animals, and, and the crying stopped. These are amazing, tender stories. I mean, she was from 1910, this doll. I mean, just beautiful, like a Pinocchio type, uh, you know, the old porcelain and wood carved. It's just amazing uh, stories. We also go to the Rhodes Hotel, which is an amazing place. And um, we were getting apparitions and um, incredible EVPs of young children there. And there's no children there at all. And I think the punchline is you got to be really careful about what you do bring home, especially if it's from a, something has a tragic past, because, you know, that, you know, like you go into a room, you haven't ever saw a restaurant where somebody maybe got murdered or they had a, people got machine gunned down. They can never keep that um, restaurant open. No matter if they remodel, it's they do cursed. everything. It always, it always closes down, like the one in Malibu, you know, on Malibu, where the, that uh, horrible thing happened back in the day. I forgot what they call it now, but it keeps opening and closing all the time. It's that residual energy of just tragedy that stays with it. And it kind of, it kind of, it's not really possesses it. It kind of sticks on it. And if you especially very have a lot of emotion and you're empathic, you feel that there's something wrong or you know, there's an energetic feel from that thing. So at that point, and you start witnessing that, you need to treat that object with respect. And if you can't deal with it, you've got to get rid of it. Going back to the uh, the story of Emily Rose, Annalise Michelle, uh, we have played the, the horrifying audio of that actual exorcism on the program many times, and it still mm-hmm. gives people the willies. We'll hear just a short clip of that coming up in just a moment. But um, Annalise was possessed by more than one entity. One of them was believed to be what? Adolf Hitler? Is that right? Yes. Six 
six entities possessed her. One was Cain, from Cain in the Bible, Abel and Cain, which killed his brother. One was um, Hitler. One was Nero, the Emperor Nero. And one was... Um, was that, that Saint, is it Saint Francis? I forget. This is a priest, priest who was disgraced, committed some horrific things, and he was one of them mm-hmm. as well. I think what's fascinating, Jeremy, about that audio is you can actually hear her voice change yes. when the entity of Hitler comes on. You start hearing that nine, that that shrieking Hitler um, tone, um, and that is horrific. That, that audio. Jeremy is still very hard to listen to it this is. day. I mean, I, we actually started listening to that. Well, we had to put it in the show. We there's so, over 200 recordings. Yeah, and it was done in the Exorcist uh, file as well. We used a little bit of that, and I imagine you know after being the Exorcist and listening to that, it created all kind of just uh, dark energy, you know. And that that's a horrific recording. I mean, a lot of people. Uh, if you, you've got the book that her psychiatrist wrote and her therapist wrote, you know, there's a, a lot of debunking trying to go on that human beings can do two voices such as throat singing, you know, su- such and such. But <laughs> that voice has got like three or four voices in there. You know, it's got a dog growling. It's got all kinds of stuff going on at the same time. And I have to tell you, that is just an intense recording. Describe the box. Uh, what, is it, what does it look like? Or what is its purpose in the exorcism? Well, the, the, exorcism, the exorcism box is a form of the last rites. Sick call box made in, most of them were uh, manufactured, the older ones in 1898, uh, whether they're from overseas, and a lot of them came from Chicago. And they're about uh, just over 13 inches tall and about, 13, no, 12 inches wide, and then they have little uh, doors that open up, and in the middle is a crucifix with little candle holders. We put a candle on either side, has a little water dish for your holy water, and it comes with a, a hair brush like of a horse. That All right, we got to take brush. a break. Uh, we'll continue this thought uh, with uh, the Booth Brothers right after this. Into the Paranormal. Paranormal. Halloween coming early tonight on Into the Parabnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. The Booth Brothers joining us. TheAttachedMovie.com is where you can find information on their latest film. Talking a little bit about the case of Annalise Michelle, the real Emily Rose, a very famous exorcism. And they had a box in their possession, which has now been handed off, and you were doing a great job of explaining it to us, and then we had to take the break, so please continue. Well, I mean, uh, like it, it basically is religious objects is inside, including we had the original candles that were burned almost down to about one inch, or half an inch, one of them was, and they had a holy water bottle, which still had a very discolored-looking holy water in it. And on the back, it had the family name etched in the back, Mikkel. So it was a very powerful box. And it always, you know, you have to understand when I first got it, and it, so it explains all this in the documentary. And also, I have a book called My Haunted Attachment, which is available on 
you know, everywhere, Barnes & Noble, Amazon and stuff. And it's called my Honda Detachment. And it explains exactly what happened when I got the box when it arrived. I mean, I had to open it up and I was very, very scared of it. And it's like I was just really did not know where this was going to go. Even though I do believe in, in the positive and I do believe in, in a certain amount of spirituality and a certain amount of God, a lot of it obviously is man-made. But a lot of it, I do believe in the positive concept of it. And I do believe a cross or crucifix is a positive sign. But I was really scared when I opened it up. I mean, really, really scared. And when I opened it up, all I could feel was an incredible burst of accomplishment when it opened up, meaning that this has been accomplished, what they were doing, what they were trying to do, the exorcism. Even though she passed, the mission was where it was supposed to be. And the energy was so overwhelming. It was like goosebumps and positivity and just love and just an incredible amount of light that I felt when I opened that box. It was not necessary negative or energy, you know, bad energy, you know. So, but at the same time, the story and the, the whole concept behind it is very dark, very, you know, you know, the battle of good and evil. And of course, at that point, you must maintain that positivity. Once you have opened it now, you have possibly untrapped that energy that was involved in it. So that's kind of why it was kept in a trunk. I've got to ask you uh, about the dolls, uh, because you said something earlier that really got my hackles up, because... In the case of some of these dolls, there is is hair from deceased children that has been sewn into the dolls. And, of course, the question is, sewn into them by whom or what? Well, it was, uh, was sewn in by the doll maker who lost Which the, the father. Which was the, the father. The father who lost the children. And they were beautiful dolls. And... Of course, now Zach has them in his haunted museum. Now, the, but... a lot of people don't you know, understand that Pinocchio, the story of Pinocchio, of Geppetto, who made a son, a uh, wooden son, that was a common practice back then, was to to make... Immortalize. Immortalize their dead children with dolls. So it's not... A lot of people freaked out when, I, you know, these dolls lived as his children until the day he died, but it took away his grief, you know? And... The, that's how he was able to even function. But there was a lot of things, whether it's death portrait photography or burying shoes and clothes in the walls, which you well know they did, of children that passed, uh, or to mortalizing them into dolls. Um, that was common practice, um, actually, back in, in that thing. So it wasn't as um, freaky as some people may think it is in, by nowadays standards. But I think it was a vehicle for him to get through his terrific grief and all these objects are our vehicles intention has a lot to do with it we will wrap up our conversation and wish you a good evening if you can sleep after this program when we continue this is paranormal news 
Molecules that could indicate signs of life have reportedly been discovered on a planet 120 light years away. Astronomers at Cambridge University, using data from NASA's James Webb Space Telescope, found dimethyl sulfide, methane, and carbon dioxide on K2-18b, an exoplanet more than eight times as massive as Earth. Professor Nico Madusiden says this is a first-of-its-kind discovery. This has never happened before. This is the first time in history that this has been possible, uh, thanks to the James Webb Space Telescope. And the fact that we are able to do that in a habitable zone planet is already a major technological achievement. These gases could mean the planet has an ocean of water. DMS is something that on Earth is only produced by life. More study is needed to confirm the findings, which researchers hope to complete within a year. George Henry, Paranormal News. Something is in the toy box is possessed. He likes to watch what's going on and it would be real creepy to be cleaning my living room and all of a sudden he's looking where I know he wasn't looking before. There's always been this fascination with dolls. There's always been this fascination with haunted dolls. Pair of normal. It's part paranormal and part abnormal. There's nothing ordinary about what's on your speakers. Into the pair of normal with Jeremy Scott. A father able to grieve with the loss of his child by saving some of her hair and uh, sewing it into a doll, which then gets passed on, handed down. So have there been any particular stories associated with this doll where strange things have happened in its presence? We're talking with the Booth brothers, guys. Well... She blinks at shows. So she'll blink at people. Her eyes, you know, obviously open and they do close, but you you have to lie her down. She's like one of those sweet, sleepy dolls. But you keep her, when you stand up every now and then, one eye will blink at you. And there's actually, we had filmed a tear coming out of her eye when we were... That's on the documentary. That's in the documentary when we were talking to her about that. But she mostly, she comforts a lot of people. She went, went on the road with us for a while at shows, and people were, some people were afraid to come over, and some people were very drawn to her, especially uh, women and, and girls. They just were just like they were their best friends or their missing childhood friend or something, or maybe even their sisters. So it, she, was, she was a very spreader of positivity. Um, she was never a negative um, vessel in any way. You know, there are some other things I've had that were very negative, and I've had to get rid of them immediately, um, such in, in certain voodoo things and certain witchcraft things and, and certain, um, you know, uh, people in prison that are very focused on uh, being 
you know, the devil themselves and you get some of their belongings or, and you see their life story written in their handwritten diaries with their teeth and their hair and whatever they've taped in there and then their self-portraits of what they think they look like. That is very heavy and I have a tendency to get rid of them pretty quickly when after we tell their stories. Yeah. As far as the armoire of Mr. Gacy, uh, the clown that manifested this residence was that uh mr gacy or was that one of his victims um they the investigators there was several investigations on that and we try not we don't in our shows we don't want to say something's haunted or not haunted we present the evidence let the viewer decide for themselves but the multiple investigations there all all indicated it was uh some kind of apparition, shadow figure, or spirit of Gacy himself, because he was protecting his property. They opened up that armor and they got those paintings. The guy sold his paintings, and they all feel that he was coming back to find where his paintings had gone. Um, that was the general consensus. It wasn't a victim. It was also the figure was large, as he was a large man, and it was also a clown hat, and it looked like he was wearing something on his nose, like a round thing, or a clown cuffs on his um, his cuffs. So I would say all the evidence that was provided and all the testimony that, um, that we obtained, it was Casey himself. A serial killer ghost clown. Yeah, the psychic said that too, and I don't, I, I'm all for psychics, I'm not against psychics, but there was, I think, three or four different psychics that didn't even know anything about what was there or the case. And they all said there was a serial killer or someone very evil there. Did he, was he dressed like a clown? And then one named him exactly. So there was enough consecutive evidence there. Not to mention the, uh, someone had done a Ouija board session and they actually came out pogo. Oh yeah. That's a really powerful scene in the attached is the Ouija board session. And by a 13-year-old girl, and she gets Pogo, P-O-G-O, on the Ouija board. Like and Pogo stick. Yeah, that was his clown name. So it was pretty It was pretty hard to debunk that, you know. Um, so we just thought it was a good, good, a good story. Uh, it was good evidence. We really try to bring solid, like I said earlier about myths and legends, I don't really try to follow that. I think we really... We never jump on demonic for the point of, of the sales pitch like most television shows do. We just tell you, you know, what we get and how it is, and we tell it with passion and emotion and let you decide where you want to go with it, how you feel about it. There's also an episode there, Jeremy, about haunted medical tools, which is really creepy, and that was oh, a wow. bunch of civil surgical tools that a, a friend of us bought. And they would appear like you would hear cutting and slicing and, and stuff like that. An autopsy table, an old Civil War portable autopsy. I had that table. in my face and I. We got rid of that. Rid of that. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, when you think yeah, about the surgical tools, I mean, those are in some cases life saving tools, but not every time someone has surgery, they, they live to tell about it. So well, surgical tools. <laughs> They're very brutal, traumatic, you know, you know they have to be used in a hurry. And what was classified as barbaric 
now was not barbaric back then, you know, like the, you know, the cure of tuberculosis was removing your ribs, you know, <laughs> that's pretty barbaric, I mean, you know. I mean, Chris has some lobotomy kits from the asylums and his, uh, the haunted auction this, this month. So, um, they're, they're pretty cool. I mean, people that love to collect this stuff, they're or actually Danvers state hospital, which they tore down, unfortunately, like keys from the cells and, and old postcards. Um, these are really incredible items, you know, and, um, they have a lot of energy. They all tell a story, you know, they all, and you just must treat everything with respect. And as long as you don't try to go out and try to, you know, talk down about it and you just, you know, you tell it how it is and you don't really get biased about it, you're fine. Does the location play into this at all? Meaning um, if you uh, encounter the object in the location where this person once resided or if it's taken to another location, maybe against their wishes, that can influence oh, things? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head, Jeremy. I mean, obviously, we take, I got I don't want to use this word, but I'll, I'll use it. The objects are the bait. They're the bait to capture the evidence. We bring that in there to bring some kind of spiritual opening, a, a connection. So we take the objects into the locations when possible and use both of those to create the investigation. Um, they've been the most powerful tools that we've had. When we would bring in the exorcism box into <coughs> asylums or anything related to church-related items or, or bring in the dolls even, um, even if it's not even the location where it happened, but using these haunted attachments in other locations, we get 10 times more activity than we get not. I mean, people bring their REM rods, what is it called, the REM rods or whatever, and, and um, REM pods, and, and they bring in their 360s and their e EMF meters and their stuff like that, and that's all great, you know, flashlights and screwed, and it's all good. But you bring in a haunted attachment into one of these places, your energy all of a sudden changes in this. And it, it really helps uh, uncover other people's stories. So w whether you're in the actual location it happened or you're bringing a haunted attachment there to help maybe that attachment cross over or maybe help some, like an attachment speaks to another attachment, a spirit speaks to another spirit, that's a concept that's not widely used in investigation. Right. And would you say that the human is really the center of this all, uh, being the person who has, who has uh, passed on or the individual who's uh, coming in contact with this object, that maybe there's some sort of tie between it all? No, well, the, the, the main the main. Uh, star or the main title of it is really the traumatic experience that the person had with it like say if you're in a room and you were brushing your hair and then suddenly there was a fire caught and you died in that fire holding that hairbrush but the hairbrush survived then you got that hairbrush it's the energy of of the experience it's in the hairbrush it might feel hot to the touch or you, or you feel you smell burnt or smoke or you feel negativity when you touch it it doesn't have to be that you know what's going on all you know is that you don't feel comfortable you feel sick around an object 
And that's really to do with the, the tragic experience that happened with that object or a good experience that happened with the object that you feel, oh, I've got this object that makes me feel really good when I'm around, you know, because something good that happened to it and it translated in it because it was so beautiful, it was so tragic that it stays on there. So really the, you know, the, the honor goes to the person that created the good experience or had the unfortunate tragic experience. Have you found that in some cases people won't even touch some of these objects? Oh, they won't even go All the near time. it. They won't go near it. You know, <laughs> I mean, they make a, a, you know, like a 20-foot U-turn before they, they see it sitting on your like, table. We have thousands of people that come to the shows. We have one at the Michigan Paragon coming up, Scarefest, in um, um, October and in Lexington, and then we're doing Illinois next, this, this weekend coming up. But there were thousands of people that come to see what we've done, our shows, all these attachments when we have them there. And a lot of people take pictures, and then they come back, they circle back, and I'm saying, let me guess, your picture's blurry, isn't it? And he goes, how did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) You tried to take a picture of this box, right? And it's blurry. You tried to take a picture of Emily, the doll, and it's blurry. She goes, how did you know that? Because we hear this on a daily basis. (laughs) Well, so it can also uh, manipulate technology then. Oh, absolutely. You'll drain the batteries to, to empower themselves to, to find a way well, to contact more than anything, you. it can manipulate the way you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about possession, everybody thinks, oh, you know, these movies, the, you know, the Pope's exorcist and the exorcist and the new exorcist coming out and all this stuff. You figure you're going to be climbing the walls or you're going to, your head's going to spin around, you're going to throw up, you're going to talk like a voice. But that's not really all to do with possession. Possession is when also that you get in touch with something that there is no hope anymore. Everything is negative. Nothing can please you no matter what you get, a new car, a new wife, a a bunch of money. You're still not happy. It's all negative. That is the true concept of being possessed by negative. And look at the root word, Jeremy, of possession. Possession, to possess something, to possess, a possession is to treat somebody to be over obsessed with something. A possession, to have a prizely possession. Interesting concept, how that word crosses over to attachment. To be attached to something is to be possessed to something. So I think they're very close. So that means, can objects be possessed? Can look? Yes, they can. Objects, people, places, uh, the whole nine yards. Possession. Yeah. yeah, so basically, for your listeners, you really got to have your head together before you walk into a so-called haunted place because if there is some form of oppression, which pretty much oppression is everywhere, prisons, hospitals, sanitariums, sanatoriums, you know, anything, a tragic event has happened, it could go in, it could go into you and affect you. And then now you go home feeling miserable or sad and stuff. So you really got to have your head together. You don't want to be coming in there with a suitcase full of problems when you go on a haunting ghost hunt. So and that's the very... We, we are almost at the end of time, but we have time for one more segment. So we'll take just a short break and we'll come back and we'll wrap up our conversation with the Booth Brothers right after this. 
Christopher St. Booth, Philip Adrian Booth. They are better known as the Booth Brothers. Their latest docu-horror film is The Attached. It's available to stream on Amazon and Apple and Tubi. Highly recommend their work. It's not your run-of-the-mill horror film or docu-horror film. They know how to think outside the box, and their films certainly show that. So we were talking a little bit about the the possession, and uh, I wanted to give you uh, some cl- uh, time for some closing comments. Go ahead. Well, I just think that um, be respectful to life and the afterlife because they all intertwine quite quite personally, and it's really what's really been really great. This is Christopher just to wrap this up. It's been really great is that when you know there is an afterlife, you really treat your life a lot better and everybody around you because you know where you could be going. So just have everything in order and really just be positive and great to each other. And my closing comment um, from Philip would be simple, is that we get far too wrapped up in the commercialism of ghost hunting and the shows and, and the demonic and we don't know who we're calling demonic. We have to be careful about that kind of stuff. Um, if we have an experience, the ghost experience, it's a gift because we know there's something beyond life. That it's something that's why we're supposed to be doing it. And we don't need all the greatest gadgets in the world like the great the things. If you don't go in there with empathy and you don't go in there with compassion, if you don't go in there and believe in the first place, you're not really going to have an experience that's uh, warranted to, to, you know, to take home. And so I think the best thing to do when you want to go ghost hunt is put yourselves in, in the shoes of, of the tragic tragedy there and just be there to listen to them. You know, don't be there trying to exploit them. Have you found that there is uh, somewhat of an emotional bond, whether it is with you personally or with uh, those who have been associated with some of these uh, objects? Well, I think that there's a duty that if something unveils itself, like somebody came to me and said somebody came last night with their father that just passed or something, or somebody came to them last night and they said something, and I said, what did you do? They said, well, they told me to do something. What did you do? And they said, nothing. And I'm going, you had the privilege of somebody to visit you and tell you an insight, and you did nothing about it. You just continued like everything was the same. We need to take those uh, as intuitions and those those signs as to what to do and what not to do. So I think you do get emotionally involved in it. And it, once you really get into the paranormal, it's hard to walk away from it because when you know that it really is real, there's a whole there's a, a, the other world is opened up to you. I know you guys have got some public appearances coming up. I want uh, you to tell the audience as well where they can stream the attached and about some of your upcoming films that are in the works. Because you guys never stop working, it seems. <laughs> yeah, it seems that's that true. We got, we've got four more films coming out for Halloween. But the attached you can see on Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, and Tubi. And also The Exorcist File is on all those same channels, The Possessed. 
which is one of the most famous ones, is on all those platforms. You'll also, next for Halloween, you'll see Spooked, The Ghost of Waverly Hills, on all those streaming channels. You'll also see Dark Place, which is uh, the giant from uh, A Thousand Corpses, Rob Zombie's movie, was his last movie. He's an amazing actor. you also see um, Children of the Grave on Amazon, Tubi, and uh, Apple Plus. And also Dead Still will be coming out, which was a famous... Uh, yeah, Dead Still just got picked up by Apple. The sci-fi movie that we did. Also, we'll be at uh, SilCon this weekend in... Uh, I have to be careful how I pronounce it. Effingham, <laughs> Illinois. Okay. And then we're going to be at Scarefest on October 20th to 22nd. In Lexington. And that's an always great Great show. show ever. Best show ever. And then we're going to be an incredible... Mid Michigan Soaring Eagle Casino Resort on November 4th and 5th for Saturday and Sunday. That's a huge, huge And show. I am going to be bringing my latest incredible voodoo collection for everybody to see. And also, Haunted Bazaar Auction is coming up yes. the weekend after that. And you'll be able to get some cool stuff like I've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, like those lobotomy kits. <laughs> yeah, or voodoo dolls. Everybody, everybody needs a lobotomy kit and a voodoo doll. Everybody needs a lobotomy, yeah. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. I really Thank appreciate you coming on the program. Thank you very much. Thank God bless, you. man. Bye-bye. The, the Booth Brothers. Go to the, theattachedmovie.com or spookedtv.com. Hope you can sleep tonight, friends, from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. Good night, and God bless. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.